Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. We are joined now by Andrew Golden, the newest Nats beat reporter for the Washington Post. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew C. Golden, if you don't already, and you can find his work over at the Washington Post sports page. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you all for having me on today. Absolutely. Um, I know all of our listeners are excited to uh, get to know you a little bit because you'll be, I'm sure, getting bombarded by all of them on Twitter (laughs) as the season progresses. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. How did you come to be with the Nats? Yeah, so um, I am originally from uh, right outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I grew up about 30 minutes outside of Baltimore. Um, played baseball growing up. Um, I pitched, I played outfield. Um, went to Northwestern for undergrad. Um, I worked at the Kansas City Star and the Chicago Tribune in the past. And then I was an intern this summer at the Post. Um, uh, co- covered a couple of baseball games this summer, but kind of was doing a little bit of everything and then helped out with some Washington football team coverage um, during the fall. And they also worked in the breaking news desk for sports. And then um, I was told I was covering the Nets, uh, I guess, two weeks ago. So it's still kind of fresh to me, but um, really excited to get started. And obviously I worked with uh, worked a little bit with Jesse, who's been covering the team for a while. I'm sure anybody who, who listens to your podcast, I'm sure knows who Jesse is. But, yes, um, definitely. Yeah, he's he, been on the pod a few times. So yeah. And, and, and he's awesome and helped me get acclimated uh, pretty quickly. So I'm really looking forward to it, but that's kind of how I got here. A little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. And your coverage last summer was excellent too. So super, super excited to see that you're back on the beat. Um, and just in time too, with spring training going on, um, we've all been, I'm sure, eagerly watching all of the games. And I know the one against the Astros is going on right now. Um, so we'll get into more specific things about players later, but would love to hear your thoughts on spring training so far. What are, what are, what are your thoughts on what we've been seeing? Yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting. It, everything seems a little bit, I mean, obviously because of the lockout, um, it seems like things are kind of, um, things are kind of picking up and ramping up again. It was interesting to see um, some of the NAS decision decision making in terms of um, bringing in Nelson Cruz or you know signing Sean Doolittle, some of their moves. Um, I I, I'm in, I was very interested in how teams kind of approach things post lockout, where they really want to go 
and swing for some big names or kind of stay uh, kind of stay back. I think the Nats were kind of kind of a, a little bit quieter on that front, but still bringing Nelson Cruz is a good addition for the offense. I think, especially um, helping out behind Juan Soto. Um, but yeah, I, I think spring trains are really interesting. I'm still excited to see kind of how things will pan out and kind of how players will adjust to maybe not having as long as they typically would have expected for a spring training. Yeah, it's definitely all feeling very condensed. Um, and as you mentioned, there has been kind of a crazy um, quick offseason once the lockout ended. There's just been, you know, bang, 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 so many big signings and so many people, so many players move in to places you never would have thought. And it's yeah. been fun. It actually kind of makes me want to see them implement some sort of a, a compressed free agency period because this is awesome. <laughs> this is this is one of the. I mean, I mean, granted, I'm only 22, but like this is probably one of the more. This is one of the crazier like free agent signing things I've ever seen. I mean, people were been really nice. trying to sign right right before the dead right before the stoppage, and then then right after, so things picked right back up, and it was like people were signing a heartbeat. So yeah, no, super interesting to see the way the way that things fell out. Um, you know, with like, you know, Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa, a lot, a lot of different signings mixed in there. Yeah. There were some shocking ones for sure. So yeah, for give sure. us, if you had to give, if you had to put a letter grade on the Nats off season, you mentioned, you know, it was a little quiet. Um, they're not expected to compete particularly. And, um, the Nelson Cruz one was certainly the marquee name, but what are your thoughts, um, on how they did in free agency? And do you see them making any other moves? Yeah, I, I guess there's like a grade, I guess like a, 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 B minus, a B minus or so, I think is, is, I think is what I give it. I, I think it's kind of right in the middle. I think like they're, they're in the mode of, of trying to, to, to be competitive, but obviously not be a, a you know, World Series contender, I think. And I think that the Nelson Cruz signing, I think, is good for them in terms of, you know, if, if it goes well, then the Nats all of a sudden are start winning and get hot early in the season, then it's a, it's a good bat to have in the lineup if they if they lose, I mean, it's, it's, I, mean I guess it's not a good mentality to have like, oh, well, we can trade him if things go bad, but I do it's what that, we've been talking about. That's what we're right. <laughs> but but, but I, 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 I do think it's, it's the reality of the situation is like, if, you know, if things kind of head south and you, you have a trade piece who you can get a lot of value back for, um, especially at the deadline. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it fits the Nationals plan of like, of, of not trying to go crazy with the signings. And like, I think they're just kind of aware of the fact that like, I don't think that they're going to, I think they're going to be, they're going to compete. I, I, I mean, I mean they're, they're young players. They're going to learn on the fly, but I think it kind of fits their vision of like, they're not competing for a world series, you know, this year, which is, which is a little bit weird. I think for a Nats fan base that kind of has become used to. Or yeah. It's an adjustment. I mean, you know, being a fan of a team that sucks was like the Nats thing for a while, but then they were good. And now we have to right. go back to that. It's not the best. Yeah. Yeah. De- de- definitely. Definitely a, a weird, a weird sense to kind of, to kind of change. <laughs> if you've change. been a fan since the beginning, you do know how to do it, but. Right. Right. And, 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 and my, my, my granddad, uh, my grand's originally from, uh, from, from DC. Um, so I think he is, he, he's kind of, he's kind of like, I, I know this is like, it's, it's all good. It's no problem. Um, but so I, I think he's kind of adjusted. Ready like, for it. yep. Like riding a bike. We yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's got 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 to got to get got to get like back into the rhythm of it, but eventually you'll remember how it goes for a yeah. little bit. Hopefully not for too long though for that. But yeah, <laughs> riding a long bike with a, or riding a, a bike, but with a long period in between of, of just not doing anything. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and and B minus, I think, is a is a definitely a solid grade there. Um, and in kind of a similar vein, I guess you know we, we're we're seeing you know the spring training going on. Uh, we saw what they have done uh, or didn't do during free agency in the off season. Um, and so curious, what do you think the opening lineup um, might look like or opening day lineup might look like? Yeah. I, I don't know if you've been following along with, um, with, with kind of lineups for spring training, but the one they put out yesterday, so yesterday was in March 23rd 
um, was, was, was Cesar Hernandez leading off and that it was Soto batting second. I know Soto isn't the, the happiest about batting second, but I think Davey's trying to convince him that like, that's the right option, the right move. Um, and then Cruz, Josh Bell, and, and Kiber Ruiz, I think of the three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I think some, I think some combo of um, Lane, Lane Thomas probably is going to be in there. And I think um, Alcides Escobar and then Michael Franco and then Victor Robles, that was the lineup on March 23rd. And I feel like that, it feels kind of close to what, a, what that lineup might look like. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's, if that's what it looked like coming opening day. You know that meme of that guy who's like smiling in the first picture and then looks all dejected in the second picture? That's yeah. Like me yeah. looking at this top half and the bottom <laughs> half of the lineup. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting. Though. I mean, I mean like it, it just depends on how on how people perform. I mean, Robus looking for a bounce back year. If, if you perform well in that nine spot, like obviously that's a great thing for you know for the Nats and Lane Thomas showed mm-hmm. potential last year so if he performed yeah, the he way let off a lot well. last year so that's another possibility we might right have. right and I think the question becomes also Cesar Hernandez wasn't the best at getting on base to begin this you know last year um so I wonder how long he would stick at the leadoff spot if that's what Davey decides to do um but I, I think it's interesting to see how that goes throughout the rest of the season excellent um do you think yeah, we're talking about some of these um, players that maybe have, like Robles, who maybe hasn't really been what we expected him to be. Player development is not something um, the Nats have a great reputation for. They, sure. They've had a lot of players that didn't really become the players that you expected them to when they were prospects. Do you mm-hmm. think that the coaching changes they've made this offseason are going to help in that player development realm, or are we probably not going to see any major improvement? I mean, I, I would assume that it, that it would definitely help me. I mean, I mean, I, I think when your when your mindset, when your organization's mindset, mindset, excuse me, shifts to um, shifts to something more of a rebuild. I mean, I know rebuild is kind of like the forbidden word, but mm-hmm. like, you know, a, a, a kind of franchise that shifts towards developing their young guys. I think you hope that you're going to bring in a staff that's going to help do that development. So I think like I think a new coaching staff is a fresh start, a new opportunity to do that. So I, I, I have faith that, that there will be improvements in the, in the in the minor league system I mean I don't know what can be done about the past and turning around players maybe didn't develop as well in the past but I do think there is something to be said for bringing in a new system or a new group of people and hoping that things will change so I I, I think so better think than so. doing nothing I guess <laughs> right right exactly I mean I mean I mean, I mean just might as well try something and, and, and see if it sticks I think is kind of how I feel about it yeah. And I mean, Amanda, you mentioned Robles and his struggles last year. Um, he did really well at AAA and he's been in quite a few games, spring training games already with some, I would say some mixed results. And so I guess, um, charitable love- yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> charitable, trying to be charitable. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts on, on his, um, you know, prospects for this year? What is he, what do you think he needs to do in order to be successful? I, I can totally see Davey kind of keeping him in that opening day lineup, seeing what he does, but, um, how long do you think, how long do you think Davey gives him? Um, I, 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 I think he'll give him some leeway, give, given that defensively he, he is such a good addition to their, to their outfield. I, I, I think he really commands that space really well in center field. Um, I think he'll give him some leeway. I mean, I think like this kind of a last, a last shot. And also, depending on how the team is doing, if the team isn't doing that great, I mean, like you might as well just kind of keep him in there and see if he can kind of produce in that nice spot. I think it's, I think it's a good opportunity for him, especially if he can find opportunities to flip over the lineup. I, I think he has the potential to do that. Um, but you know, I, I think if, you know, you know, you, you get to the all-star break, honestly, I guess even before the all-star break and he's still kind of hitting in the, you know, under 200 
then maybe they look they look to other options. But I think he'll have some time again. Like this is a young roster who, you know, they obviously they want to develop and see what's there. So I think he might have a shorter lease than maybe say a team that was on the borderline of a playoff team. And like, you want to get the best results possible. So you're going to try to flip them out. I think this team has the luxury of trying to learn and develop. So I think, I think he has a lease, but I do think if he gets to, you know, say mid June, he's still not hitting that well, then I think maybe the Nats start to look at other options. Definitely love hearing that because I think everyone is rooting for Robles to succeed. He seems, you know, he's obviously been such a huge piece of this team for so many years and, you know, it's, it's been hard to see him struggle. So I I hope, I hope you're right about that. I really hope he starts producing soon. Yeah. 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 We all do. Okay. Let's, uh, I want to talk about a few players, Andrew, I'm going to do a little kind of rapid fire here and just um, kind of throw some names out at you. All right. And get your thoughts. So Juan Soto, the big one, obviously. Um, how likely do you think an extension is? And what do you think the Nats really need to do to keep him? I, I, I really think you, you throw as much money as po- as much money as possible at him. I, I really think that's giant what it is. I think, piles of money. Yeah, I'm, 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 I mean, I mean, literally put, put a blank check on the table and literally like let him write the number down and like 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 you see like and then add it. a zero like, for a good measure. Yeah, add, add a zero and sign it. That's me. I mean, that's, that's really how I feel about Juan. I, I do think it it seems more likely than some of the past signings, and I think, um, I think with with the Bryce Harper situation, I think it was a little bit different that you knew that Soto was waiting in the wings and that it was like if you let Harper go. Like, yeah, like Harper did a lot for the team, but also like you knew you had Soto waiting there. I feel like g- given the development of their minor league system, it feels like you can't let Soto go because he kind of is the face of the, of the franchise. And like, if you let him go, like who's behind him? So I think the Nats will find a way to get to get it done with Soto. I, I love your enthusiasm and your optimism on that. <laughs> yeah, I and, am and, having and, watched and, so and, many and, players walk. I do not share your optimism, but yeah, and, and ma- ma- maybe maybe after a year of being on the beat, maybe I'll change my mind. But for right now, I'm gonna have the, <laughs> you're not I'm properly traumatized yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, I don't know if there's anything else they can do. Like, but I really do feel like they have to build a competitive team if they're gonna if they're gonna. Yeah, I, he's not gonna I, stay I, if I, he's I, not gonna win. Yeah, I mean, if, if they put together three straight losing seasons and there's not really a lot of progress on the development front, that I could see him definitely leaving because, like, what does he have to what, – what is he looking at that, he can, that they can really build upon with him as the star? Um, so I definitely do I, – I agree they do have to win, but I do think, like, the Nets probably also understand that there aren't a lot of options behind Soto. I think, like, if you let like, – Soto is one of, the, one of the top players in the league and will be for a while. I just think that you, you got to lock those kind of guys up. Well, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> all right um nelson cruz we talked about this a little bit um you thoughts on the signing you mentioned you think it's a good one obviously watching him hit behind soto is going to be a lot of fun um do you do you think he makes the team more do you think he makes them competitive in any meaningful way or is this more c- kind of what we just touched on about you know just somebody you can flip at the deadline if as expected the team's not competing I personally there. see it, I personally see it as a as a good locker room presence to kind of help some of the younger guys learn the the, the ins and outs of um the, 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 the ins and outs of the game and the clubhouse mm-hmm. all that kind of thing but I, I do kind of I do see this as a as, as a flip of the deadline kind of kind of person I just don't think the Nets will be, I think the I think the the NL East is pretty competitive like you know a buzz to borrow a phrase yeah <laughs> and, and, I, and I just think that the Nats just don't, I don't necessarily think that their lineup can really keep up with some of the other teams. And I just think that he'll probably get flipped to the deadline for some prospects. I do think it is, a, it is beneficial for the Nats um, and their younger players to have a veteran presence like Cruz. I think that a lot of them already talked about that. Um, I'm sure you all saw the story about like, you know, you know Eric Fetty. And oh, how, I yeah. love that story so yeah, much. That's the, yeah. that's the benefit of having a guy who's been doing it for so long at the level that Nelson Cruz has. 
Exactly. And, and, and I don't think having that guy in your clubhouse is ever going to affect the team in a negative way. I think it always can be positive. I just don't know if, if it's going to be enough to, to change things in the win-loss column, if that makes sense. Yes, it does, which, sadly. Which makes it even funnier that uh, uh, Cruz said that Rizzo told him that uh, <laughs> he should sign because there'd be more big moves coming. Uh, I, hope right, that, right. I hope that he didn't really say that. That's all I can <laughs> say about that situation. Okay, let's talk Kate Cavalli. He's obviously one of the more fun stories in spring training this year. He is very exciting. Um, Nats, probably the, the prospect Nats fans, know, you know, there aren't that many prospects that you know their name before they get here, and he is one right. of those. I'm getting the start tomorrow. Um, there's been a lot of talk about whether he's going to make the opening day roster. Davey gave a kind of cryptic answer today about, I can't really answer that right now. Do you right. think there's any real chance that they do that? I mean, I feel like they're going to play service time games and not let him start the season with the team. What are your thoughts? That, 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 that's what I would think too. I also just don't think he has a ton of professional experience. Um, I, I, I saw Jesse tweet this earlier because um, Jesse's already down there. I'll be there on Sunday. So I'm still kind of trying to get things from, from DC, but I think like, Jesse said that he's only had six AAA experiences and like only one full professional season under his belt. So I just think that like, I, I, I think like while it's exciting to, to want to bring up a guy like that, especially with the team that's rebuilding, I think you have to wait, like what is the best time for him and the best time for the organization to bring him up. So I, I wouldn't expect it um, unless he just is just continues to be lights out all spring training. I, I mean, I think that I, I'll be a little bit shocked if I think he, if he made the opening day roster. Fair enough. Okay. Um, two more to go here. Carter Keyboom. Um, on the IL already, yeah. um, but he's, I, you know, I was a, a guest on the podcast um, the other night, an NL East kind of wide podcast. And they asked me like, has everybody given up on Carter Keboom? And my answer was sort of yes. And this uh, starting on the IL again here doesn't really help that, um, that feeling. What are your thoughts? Do you really, do you think the team is going to give him a long leash this year? Um, like you, you mentioned with Robles, or do you think that he's, he's kind of at the end of the rope here if he can't perform? Yeah, I, I think I think if I think I guess I, I'm assuming Mike Franco will be the starting third base when the season starts with Keyboom out. And I think if like if Franco starts out hot, then maybe they stick with him for a little bit. And then, you know, if he starts to cool off, then you go Keyboom. I, I still think like he, he's probably their best option at third base. And I think you're trying to figure out what you have um, on your roster in terms of your young talent. Like you have to give him another shot. But I would assume his leash would be a little bit shorter than than a Robles because they have someone like Michael Franco on the roster. But I I, like, I, I think time is running out, but I think, and obviously him being on the IL is not, is not, a, not beneficial for him at all. But yeah. I do think that if, if he comes back and, and, and he can perform at a good enough level, I think they'll stick with him again to see what he can do through this year. Cause again, like if they're not competitive, there's only one way. Cause to find who cares? Out. It doesn't matter anyway. Right. I mean, I mean, if you're not competitive, <laughs> there's only one way to find out what you have and that's to throw him into the fire and, and see what happens. Absolutely. Okay. One more Sean Doolittle. This one was obviously a, a fan favorite, um, but from a baseball perspective, it's a little bit, um, I don't know, a little bit questionable, I guess yeah. is the word I'll use. What are your, uh, what are your feelings on the Doolittle signing? It, it, it feels like, it feels like kind of a, a nostalgia si- signing. I, I, I think he still could be good. And I, I don't think there's a downside to, to signing him, but it does kind of feel like a thing where like, it could be a thing just to get Nats fans excited about the season. And I do think he can still be a quality pitcher out of the bullpen. I think like, uh, again, I think he could be a valuable piece of the bullpen. Um, but I also do think I'm sure it plays in a little bit of a nostalgia of yeah, got to put butts in seats. So, yeah, yeah. I do. I do think, you know, people love, obviously love Sean Doolittle. Um, and I, and I think like that's probably plays into it a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, he just as we were getting on, he uh, let off a, a grand slam he to Yuli <laughs> Guriel, I believe, uh, earlier today. So, yeah, he's uh, he's not, not, not a great look. <laughs> no, not a great look at all. Yeah, and actually brings us to a little bit more just about pitching um, because one of the biggest question marks um, around spring training is just the rotation in general, the, the, the um, starter rotation. Um, I think unlike in many years past when it seemed pretty, you know, certain that you had Strasburg, you had Scherzer, you had, you knew exactly who you had starting. Um, there's kind of more of a competition this year, um, which is both exciting and a little nerve wracking. Um, and so I guess I wanted to talk a little bit about two of the, the bigger names out of the rotation. Um, first being Patrick Corbin, uh, who we all know had a really rough year last year, um, but he looked good yesterday. Um, him is outing yesterday in four innings pitched, three hits, zero runs, um, zero walks, four strikeouts on fi- on fifty seven pitches with thirty four strikes. Um, what do you what do you think that looks like? What do you think that tells us about his potential season? Um, what do we, do we think he'll be back to top form? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean, I I think an offseason can pay a lot of dividends for pitchers and kind of rediscovering who they are. And you've seen pitchers who have kind of gone in a good direction or a bad direction. And I, I think if, if Patrick used the, this offseason to kind of get in, get into a better um, rhythm and figure out what's best for him and, and and what you know what formula works best for him, I, th- I think you could see a bounce back season for him for sure. I think it would benefit the Nats in a great way. Um, again, they they signed to a what six year, one hundred forty million dollar deal. They really need him to not be what he was last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and I, I think one of the biggest things I think this this spring training is him focused on keeping the ball down in the zone. I think that's something that was benefiting him in that the game you talked about. Um, it let the last spring training game. I think if he continues to do that, I think um, I think then he'll have more success than maybe he did last year. Um, I think it'd be a big benefit for the Nets. Definitely. Um, and uh, speaking of other pitchers who uh, whose success would really benefit the Nats, um, Josiah Gray, um, who actually I think already has a really nice uh, new poster outside of Nats Park. I, think I they did see that. Today. It looks real nice. I'm, I'm, I'm really liking it. Um, right. It'll be right next to Soto's I'm sure. Um, but he looked really good tonight um, before, uh, you know, all hell broke loose with subsequent pitchers. Before the aforementioned grand slam. Yes. Yes. Before <laughs> the aforementioned grand slam, he had uh, 3.1 innings pitched, two hits, two runs, uh, one earned, but zero walks and five strikeouts. Um, what do you think about, uh, about him uh, this season going into it? Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I think this is an opportunity for him to kind of to kind of learn, you know, to, to kind of learn what it's like to be a part of the MLB for a full season and kind of kind of get that taste of what it's like to face um, some, you know, some of the best hitters, you know, day in and day out. I think um, I, th- I think he's a lot of good potential. I think this is a great opportunity for him to kind of well, I, I, I think Patrick Corbin, if, if he's the lead guy, could take some pressure off of Joe Seiger and not to feel like he's to be the guy every single night or feel like he has to be the you know, be the man immediately. But, but I do think there are high expectations for him. I think that I think that this opportunity for him to build off of the good things he did last year and try to see how those things work this year. Yeah, definitely. Especially because it'll be his first full season with the Nats. He's still super young. Um, And that also, you know, there's still many other spots open for the rotation, but there's a huge cast of characters kind of surrounding them. you got Rogers, Espino. So what are your predictions for what the rotation might look like to to start us off? So you got Corbin and Gray, but who else fills that out um, in your mind? Yeah, I, I I could see I could see Espino in that mix as well. Um, I'm trying to think, of, trying to think of who else. Uh, Eric Fetty would definitely be in the would definitely be in that rotation as well. And I would have said Joe Ross before the injury, 
Um, but now that Joe Ross is not there, I'm trying to think of who would be um, the fifth the fifth guy who might take that final spot. And they've got um, options. I'm, yeah, I'm try, I'm None try, of try, which I'm, are that exciting. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to think of who, um, I'm, I'm really blanking right now on the, on the, on the final guy <laughs> being that mix there. Um, but but de- definitely those four in there. Uh, and then I, I had to think a little bit about the, about the fifth one. Fair enough. Well, let's talk a little bit about the NL East more broadly. Um, obviously, a lot of the other teams in the, in the division spent a lot more and did a lot more than the Nats, um, particularly the Mets and um, the Phillies and the defending world champion Braves, much as it pains me to say that. Um, yeah. So losing, losing Freddie Freeman is a huge blow, but you know, they, they, they made a lot of moves to make up for it. Um, it looks like the Phillies rotation is just going to, I mean, uh, lineup is just going to mash. I mean, it's going to be fun to watch their defense completely sucks, but (laughs) they might score enough runs that it won't matter with that lineup. So, um, just kind of tell me, what are your thoughts on the the division itself? Um, the Nets, you know, are probably going to be basement dwellers here, given how, uh, how much of a murderer's row the rest of the division has become, but what do you think is going to happen this year? And who do you see winning, winning the NL East? Yeah, I, I, I still think it's, it's the Braves. They did lose, they did lose Freddie Freeman, but they did sign Matt. They trade, you know, traded for Matt Olson. Um, they still, they, they had, they added Kenley Jansen to their bullpen. So they have a really so- strong bullpen. Um, and I think that the Braves just given their champion championship experience, um, I, I would kind of give them the edge in terms of repeating, but I think you can't count out the Mets. Um, especially when you have Scherzer and DeGrom at the top of your rotation. I mean, that's, that's probably one of the better one-two punches in Major League Baseball, if not the best, is one of the best. Um, and I think the Mets also reloaded, you know, with their, with their bats, obviously. You know, you know uh, Starling Marte is one of the guys they brought in. I think the Mets will also compete. I and mean, then, as you guys mentioned, the Phillies getting Castellanos and um, Schwarber, I think that obviously boost their odds as well. I think their pitching isn't as strong as maybe the Mets or the Braves are, but I think, we, you know, if you can hit, you'll keep yourselves in games for sure. Um, so I think those three teams will be in the mix. I think the Braves win it, but I could, I could easily see the Mets winning it. Um, I could, I could definitely see all three of those teams making the playoffs, especially with the, you know, the expanded playoff. I could see all, all three of those teams making it. Yeah, definitely. It's, 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 I think it'll be an interesting division to watch this year um, for sure. Um, so if you had to pick, uh, you know, one player to watch this season, who's, who's your player to watch this season at the big league level. And then since we do have a better farm system than we did last year, you know, you see the Nats kind of um, pubbing a lot of the guys coming up more this time around than they did maybe this, this time last year, who's your player to watch at the minor league level too. Okay, one guy, the one guy for the Nats, the big league level, and the one guy at the minor league level, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, I mean, at the major league level, I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to just, I, mean, I, I hate saying Juan Soto, Juan Soto, but I mean, I mean, <laughs> but how do you make, not say Juan Soto? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I think aside from Juan Soto, if we're going somewhere outside of that, I think Keeber Ruiz is, is, is one guy to really watch. Um, obviously, being in, I'm assuming he'll probably be at, towards the top of the lineup in the, you know, in the five spot. Obviously, the, the Nats invested a lot in him and Josiah Gray, and I think. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see kind of how he develops, not only as a hitter, but also as kind of the leader of the, you know, you know, helping out with the pitchers and, and, and kind of taking command of that pitching staff. I'm excited to see how Keybert Ruiz uh, does. Mm-hmm. Um, He's one I'm I do, excited for too. And, 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 and I do think Kay Cavalli is the guy in the minor league, so I'm most excited to see just given, um, just, just, just given his, um, his potential and the Nats view of him in terms of his potential. 
he's only had one full season again, uh, you know, in, in the professional, you know, in professional baseball ranks. And I think given another year, he could, maybe, you know, maybe push himself towards eventually making the roster if he really continues to perform well. But I think he's the guy to watch for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you there. And, you know, it's it's nice to talk about the the one guy to watch. So, you know, the superstars of our own you know team or of the of the farm system that we're going to be keeping eyes on. But as I think, you know, we've alluded to throughout this, uh, the season might be difficult to watch. Uh, we're going to have fewer superstars. You know, we have a team projected to be well below 500. It's you know, we're, we're not predicted to be good this year. Um, so what advice do you have to fans watching this year? You know, what what should we focus on? to keep the game fun yeah i, I, I mean i i think i think taking advantage of i'm sure take you know you know look, looking for the little moments the little moments of improvement you know you know doing these things right or developing in in this way you know if they throw a pitch a particular way josiah really starts to continue to throw a pitch really well or or, or if a hitter kind of gets out of a slump and starts to find his rhythm those small things to know the team is improving i think given for a fan base that's excited about winning but might not have it looking for those smaller things in there um, that that shows that the team is developing and heading in the right direction. I think those are the things that Nats fans should look forward to this year. Yeah, I think it's um, when your team's not good and you're not like hanging on every game because you know it's so important. I, I do think there's there's a there's a little bit of purity to it. You can just enjoy the game, you know, you know, enjoy baseball as a as a fan and and not get so caught up in the wins and losses because they don't really matter. So that's what I'm telling myself anyway. So right. <laughs> Right. Exactly. We'll see how I feel like, you know, two months into the season when I'm whining on Twitter about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. One more for you before we let you go. Um, This one is going to put you on the spot a little bit. Give me a prediction for the Nats record for the 2022 season. Oh boy. Um, There will, nobody told you there would be math. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I'm a a journalist. Y'all got to give me a heads up in advance. Um, (laughs) I, I, I think I would go with 70 and 92, I think is, I, I think would be my, my prediction. Um, that, that actually might be being a, maybe a little generous. I think too. Might be we love an optimist. optimist. Um, I was going yeah, like around yeah. 65, 66, but I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the more I'm thinking about that might've been a little generous, but um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think somewhere in that range, I, I think, you know, 20 games below 500, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, but yeah, that was just on the top of my head again. Like I'm not, not a huge math person, but I think uh, 70 and 92 is where it, is what came to my mind first, but I would also would not be surprised if it was a little bit lower than that. Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was really great to get to chat with you. We're excited to, to be uh, reading your, your missives from spring training here pretty soon when you get down there and um, all through the season. If again, this is Andrew Golden from the Washington Post. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you can um, do that at Andrew C. Golden. Is there any, do you have any other social media tags or anything else you want to plug? No, I think I, I think those are the things top, off the top of my head. So I think I think we're good on that. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. We'll do it again soon. Perfect. Thank you for having All me. All right. On. Enjoy Florida. Thank you. I will. I definitely will. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls. So that's the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Yeah.
the early light of dawn Well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching Are and bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress That they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's In every book Let's go know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.